0: Welcome to Just Done The Show, everybody. Welcome to the Mike White Standcast Week 4. This game had us real angry during it. There was a lot of angry texts going back and forth in the chat.
1: Yeah, I. Uh, this was a tough game
0: to watch, like you said. and uh... Not great. Not great for, for Mike White's ribs, at least. The rest of the performance was probably fine. This was just a rough one all around to watch offensively. The Jets lose a game on offense for like the, well, the the fifth time this year, and it's been the offense letting them down most of the time, right? This was the first time they weren't able to move the ball with Mike White, but I think that that wasn't entirely his fault, at least I don't think.
1: I didn't think so either. I actually thought that he played a pretty good game, and considering him coming back in after those... As our friend put it, NFL Blitz level hits that he took the the old ga- video game NFL Blitz. When he wrote that, it took me so long to remember, and then I was like, "Oh yeah," and, but yeah, that was what it looked like, just getting folded up. That was so tough to watch. Before we we go into this, you, you know, this is a podcast we talk about the Jets, and I just have uh, I just had to I have to get this off my chest for our listeners here. I uh, you know I I for so long the Jets have been so bad, and I've I've been like very disappointed in games throwing remotes after new england losses etc i've mentioned some of this on the podcast and how i'm trying to avoid these kind of situations and i thought i thought that it was like well if the team is good and they were actually competing for like a playoff spot and a really good team i'm definitely going to be a lot more even-handed and no and not not it's so much worse (laughs) and i just have to uh you know, we record these a couple days after the games, and that's that's good for for a variety of reasons. But one of them is that I am uh, unreasonable during game time. And I I have to say, I was like, you know, all these years I'm like, well, once the team's good, there's no way I'm going to get this uh, angry about football games. And it has gone 100% the wrong direction. I, Seth, I'm like rooting for ill will towards Josh Allen, who's a person that I like, who's a quarterback I like. <laughs> what a, what, yeah. This is just, you know. We're men right we bottle up the aggression until it all comes out on Sunday at <laughs> exactly uh, two p m and i I'm sending you text like i 'm not watching anymore. text me when Quinnen and Mike are out for the year it's just lunacy at madness, so I just wanted to say that uh, it's not getting any better with uh, my behavior and as the team you know the, the it's an inverse relationship, and I expected it to not be that way so <sighs> I don't blame Mike White for the offensive problems. I actually have a little bit more of a problem with some of the LaFleur stuff. This is two games in a row where I'm I I'm not crazy about it. I I don't think that they lost the game because of offensive scheming. I they probably lost it because the offensive line play was so terrible. And granted Buffalo's a good defense, but still though, it was it was abysmal and that was kind of where I placed a lot of the blame. I felt like so often with this offensive problems we've been talking about throughout the season it's been a a kind of a moving target with problems but with this one with this game it was he's running you know Mike White just does not have time to to make some of these sets and to make these throws and and the ones that he made again I think that were pretty miraculous considering the circumstances but it feels like constantly it's these first and second downs there's just nothing going on and I don't know how you feel about this Seth but Bam, Knight's been really impressive, and I think we can both agree on that. And and Carter, not so much this season. Really, he's kind of taken a downturn. But like, honestly, the running attack in this game, I, I thought, was kind of underutilized. They run these sort of these these like screen passes and these kind of quick pass plays on first and second downs, and it feels like both in this the Vikings game and in this game, those were the plays that were they're just getting killed, and it's like constantly third and eight, mm-hmm. third and ten. You know, and he's having to make the Mike White's having to make these throws, having to make these plays, and it just feels like it doesn't have to be like that. That if, you, especially if you have guys who are, it's one thing if Zonovan came in and he stunk the joint out, and you go, "Well, okay, we took a gamble on this guy, but he's good, right? Yeah. He's good. He can get yards," and and it just feels like they're leaving that on the table. That's what I I really watch from the offense: bad blocking and some questionable play calling. That that's really where I put put it. I know it's the Mike White stand cast, and he made some mistakes, but still, though,
0: no. I went back and looked at this game pretty much play for play for the Jets on offense. And there's really not a whole lot of blame I can put on Mike White. And I know that's easy for me to say. And maybe if Zach makes these exact same throws. I'm singing another tune. Maybe I'm biased. But I just think he made, like, some incredible throws in this game. A couple of, like, sideline throws that, you know, those those are always tough, right? Where he just puts it right on the money as the guy's going out of bounds. Not every quarterback in the league can make those throws going towards the boundary. He did. Right. You You to the offensive line, and, that, and that's what it was. When this offense was bottled up, they're just not getting the run blocks to give the running game a chance. When the running game has no chance, they've got to turn to the short passing game. The Bills are all over the short passing game because that's what the Jets are going to do best. So I don't think this game was good enough from LaFleur's perspective because they didn't take any shots, and it was just all, let, let's get rid of the ball as quickly as possible and let the Bills try to make a tackle. And the Bills made every tackle. I think the Bills played a ton of that sit-back defense where they brushed four, played everyone back in the zone. They're like, all right, we don't have to guard Garrett Wilson one-on-one because we can just sit seven guys back and let Mike White try to figure out the zone coverages. And that's, there was nobody open. There was nowhere for him to go with the football when you zoom out on some of those plays. So just not a great scheme by Lafleur, Someone who who really had a perfect scheme going into the first game against Buffalo did not repeat that in the second game or i should say he probably did repeat it it looked like he tried to do a lot of the same concepts and that's the last thing he should be doing he's got to switch it up right yeah we've seen that from him a couple times right where it's like he does something well they seem to have figured something out and then he tries to go back to the well too hard the next week and it's like well bro they were studying that like like they have to be multifaceted enough to be able to change what they're doing on the fly it's almost like right, yeah. whether it's working or not it's like lafleur likes to stick to his guns and stick to his game plan and it's like bro you're a play caller you've got a whole playbook at your disposal if this isn't working go with the other thing and you you should have practiced everything during the week right i know that's a lazy bit of analysis like practice everything but you know what i'm saying
1: <laughs> yes yeah no i do i do i i again i i mean i think it's one of those things where um if the if the offensive line play is better and they just were able to uh, get more momentum on the ground like the thing you're saying about zone coverages and all of that stuff that that's possible partially i think because it's kind of a chicken or egg thing right it's because they're not moving the ball down they're not kind of we're not kind of running it down their throats you can't just Mm -hmm. stack people in the box and so there becomes this problem where it's like you know one if one thing isn't going then something else isn't going but to me it's like right it's compounding yeah Handing the ball off on first down is not like a very complicated offensive thing that you can implement. I just feel like if you have a guy who can gain yards, you can do it. If Obviously, if he's getting stuffed, that's a different situation. you got to change things up. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know. You said that that people weren't open. I, I mean, I guess that that's true. I mean, de- Buffalo's defense was definitely good. And, and Mike White's making these tight window throws. So you're right. I guess people are not open um, in terms of what we can see. But I'm interested, too, in plays where he's getting sacked or he's getting harassed. It's possible that there's dudes open and there's just nothing you can do in that situation. So that's the main thing I think is the offensive line play, which has been so good this season, despite the patchwork, right? Yeah. That's been put together all season. It's kind of been like, how are they tying this together with, you know, with these players? And I, I think Buffalo definitely exposed that. But I think the main thing to me is that you, if you get better offensive line play, then you can kind of some of the things, some of the problems with the Lafleur situation were, are probably not going to be discussed as much. A couple things too, just if we're going to do some like negative player stuff right out of the box, um, I feel like we should bring this up: the Braxton Barrios thing. Um, I actually didn't realize how bad his stats actually were on the season, and how poorly this has gone. And he really, at the beginning of the game, kind of single-handedly cost them. I think a couple of those drives. Several times they had to make up for situations where he should have fair caught the ball. There's that one where he came within a you know a blade of grass from touching the ball mm-hmm. and giving basically giving Buffalo a touchdown, uh, or at least points, but probably a touchdown. And He's been really bad, and I actually uh, didn't—I think we praised him a lot on the podcast and been like, where's Berrios? I've definitely done that. Like, that's me doing an impression of me, by the way. Where's Berrios? He's had—he has drops in the red zone. He has the ball that goes off his face or whatever that was or his shoulder.
0: Dropping potential game-winning touchdowns, yeah.
1: Dropping potential game-winning touchdowns, just—yeah, and and I just think he is fast and— You know, and that's like a major asset that he has. But it feels like at this point, that's kind of all you're getting out of him. It's not really a lot. And honestly, the returning stuff hasn't even been that great. So, just felt like I had to bring that up because it's like if we're gonna praise people, it's not you know you do have to kind of go the other way when they're yeah when they're blowing it for you. And speaking of blowing it for me, the other player, right? The other thing we have to bring up is the Mosley thing. I love Mosley and this and this was actually a good game outside of this, but what the hell is he doing? Whatever you you and I watching T V Tony Romo calling the game is like they're not running this play, Jim. There's no way they're and then he's jumping. It's like a he you know, it was like an Olympic event, like he was doing like the long jump over the it was like what the hell is this? Or like sliding into home plate or something. It was
0: like Yeah, you see this play four times a week in the NFL and no one ever falls for it, but they still do it because sometimes once a season somebody fucking falls for it and that was cj mosley and it's like you want to bang your head against the wall when you see that yeah
1: at to cj it's not even you know what i mean it's cj mosley it's not even like oh uh jordan whitehead made a you know error or something it's mosley what's going on some rookie
0: linebacker like doesn't get it yet. you know it's Uh, it's cj yeah
1: that was a real and that i really feel like was kind of it's reductionist to say that was like the dagger of the game, but didn't it sort of feel like the quote, you know, the quote unquote momentum shift, proverbial momentum kind of went away from him after that?
0: Absolutely. I absolutely could not agree more because it changed everything. It was a scoreless game when that happened. And that's the drive where Buffalo three, four plays later tosses it to Knox for the touchdown. Buffalo was getting three on that drive. tops. That was going to be a long field goal try for Bass, yeah, and mostly just just screwed them and be giving up a touchdown in a game that they lost by eight. So,
1: and in a game that was that where Diggs was, what he had three catches for whatever. They were containing that passing attack,
0: so it was like three catches for thirty-seven yards. And I think Sauce only gave up one catch for four yards when Sauce was guarding him. So, yeah. <laughs> This was an incredible DJ Reed game, an incredible sauce game. Again, they do this every week. I guess we should. We don't even have to bother to praise them at this point.
1: <laughs> <It's>
0: automatic. <laughs> automatic. But yeah, this was an incredible game by the defense. The Bills got 20, and it didn't even feel like they got 20. I mean, this was an, an incredible defensive effort that, once again, this offense goes out there and wastes. Now, you could say those are the three plays, the two or three plays that swing every game, Mosley, and those. Punt returns or non-punt returns right. by Braxton Berrios. If those, if the Jets don't have to start inside their own five a couple times, they probably get a couple more points out of this game. That and Mike White literally having cracked, if not broken, ribs after taking like two just monster shots. And that's another thing I might want to get into. Like every single fan base in the NFL complains about refs, right? Every team thinks the refs don't give them calls. You you talk to Patriots fans and they'll tell you, yeah, yeah the refs never give us calls. But it's like the the cognitive dissonance in that instance is insane. But like, like literally every fan base feels this, right? That they're the fan base that doesn't get calls,
1: except Johnny, if he's listening, who's an upstand is an upstanding citizen right. who
0: would yeah. never complain. Right. We respect that. Johnny. <laughs> uh, That's it, though. But That's, like, he's the only one. Mike White gets absolutely walloped twice. No calls. Actually, weirdly fine with it. Like, you could have called the first one, but, like, you know, it's kind of a clean— Usually they do, if it's the quarterback. That's not but... a flag. No. I don't think it's a
1: flag. I don't think right. either one of those were flags. I, he's right. holding the—I mean, he's throwing the ball. Yeah. I wanted so badly to complain in our text thread about, like, oh, great, where's the flag on that? And then they show the replay. I'm like, he's throwing the ball. That's not a flag. It's a yeah. hard, hard hit, but it's not a flag. It's well, an absolutely
0: clean hit. Well, it's not roughing the passer, because it doesn't meet any of the criterion for roughing the passer. You could you could call unnecessary roughness on that, though, because they, right, they, they don't like that, have to nail the guy that hard. And then if you remember, there was right. the play with Gary Wilson going out of bounds, where, you know, I think a, a slight push with a pinky – would have pushed Garrett Wilson out of bounds. He's going out of bounds on his own, and Poyer just comes in and just levels it.
1: That should have been a call. That I don't know if you remember
0: that play. Yeah, no, that that's should a, have been a that's a flag. flag like ten times out of ten. That's I've never seen a play like that where a flag is not thrown, whether I agree with the call or not. It's always thrown. So that kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, what the hell is going on with this?
1: Yeah, but I mean, yeah. Again, we're not going to be like this. Uh, the this game was not decided on calls, so it's no, not no. like one of those where you have to. But but yeah, I I'm surprised that it's just surprising when you see that because yeah, that's the one. That's one that's like certain kinds of helmet to helmet hits when you see and go. That's ob like going to be an automatic flag. That's one. Yeah, shoving the people out of bounds or hitting somebody out of bounds. They seem to always throw a flag on that. Usually because there's a ref standing right there too. So
0: yeah, and if you're gonna circle back to the beginning of this podcast where you're talking about your emotions during this game. I have to say I was right there with you because this was the worst Uh. I felt, even like with other losses, this is the worst I've ever felt watching the Jets during a game where multiple times throughout the game I was like, sick, our season's over. Yes. And you're talking about just like kind of wishing bodily harm on Josh Allen. I was right there with you. I was like, yeah, you're going to end my team season. My guy's going to have to take these unbelievable shots. You're going to ruin All of my 2022 football dreams. Fuck you, your quarterback, his ribs. You know what I mean? Like I've never before or since wished harm on Allen. Yeah,
1: I think your exact phrasing was something like, uh, "Was it like you guys? You guys are gonna gonna win the division anyway. Just leave Mike alone. (laughs) Just leave. All I beg of you is just you're gonna beat us anyway. Just leave him alone."
0: And yeah, I didn't even I didn't care about the score. I'm like the game is in hell. Who cares about the game? They don't need the game. It's like they need Mike White.
1: Well, should we get into this? Do you think Salah should have left, should have put Mike White in back in after the, after the second hit? No,
0: absolutely not. This was a failure of coaching by putting Mike White back in the game. Uh, if you take a listen to Mike White's post-game press conference, he says, you would have had to peel me off that field. Mike White's playing for his career. He's not going to yeah. take himself out of the game no matter how injured he is. This is up to Salah to be the adult in the room and not run him back out there. I this agree. was a huge failure on Salah's part. And by the way, if there was ever a bigger indictment of Joe Flacco, it's that. That Salah's like, listen, if Flacco goes in here, this is a one-score game, or I think at that time it was a two-score game. But Salah's saying, we've got a chance. We've got a chance to win this one still. I can't play Joe Flacco as long as we have a chance. And we saw Joe Flacco for one play, and he fumbles, right? He fumbles the ball.
1: Well, he had multiple snaps. Remember, because Mike White came out and then went back in, and then didn't he have another snap? He fumbled. He fumbled one, and then he, oh, he
0: did. He was actually he was actually one for three passing.
1: He came in. He missed a
0: he missed a wide
1: open guy. <laughs> he fumbled.
0: Mm-hmm. Here we go. Now the now the anchor's coming back. Now I'm feeling it.
1: Uh, but this Flacco thing, um, I I get the a decision in the initial stages. I think I even said on here. I understand the idea of saying if you're going to bench Zach. You got to bench bench him. You got to really make like you are not active for this in the Bears game. It was like you're not active. You're not stu- like you're not co- coming into this game. I understand that from the locker room. You don't want a quarterback controversy thing, but this Flacco thing is out of control. They they would they'd be much better having Chris Streveler in there. You I texted you that we sh- it's like I was like put Berrios in at least he can run. Which like now I'm like thinking. That's like a horrible thing to say, but like the, the Flacco literally can't do anything well. He can't move. He can't throw. He can't hold on to the ball, and he didn't have to do anything. He could have. He would have had a more. He would have helped the team out more if he took a knee every single time he, he took a snap. And yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I understand the thing about and for this next game for this Lions game, Zach has been moved to the number two slot. So we're not breaking news on that, but uh he should have been there for this game. I don't really understand the, I don't understand I, I understand it from the locker room from that side of it, but I just feel like, you know, you really do at this point in a playoff situation, you have to have your depth chart aligned for just whoever's going to be the best in that position and Flacco yeah if he wants to be a, uh, I heard yeah yeah, I don't know. If he wants to be on the actual active roster of this team, he he uh, he shouldn't be on the roster of any NFL team. He's just not a capable quarterback.
0: Let's take a break and then let's get into the quarterback depth chart stuff because there's, I think there's some more than meets the eye there. So coming back, as Kev just mentioned, the Jets elevated Zach Wilson to QB2 going into the Sunday against the Lions, and that is terrifying to me because the only reason you do that is if you're concerned about Mike White's health. And th- not that they're wrong to be concerned about Mike White's health, but, I mean, they're thinking he's not really going to be able to go far in this game. I think Mike White is, like, one decent hit away from getting knocked out of this game. They know they can't run Flacco out there, so they, they had to elevate Zach to back up their only other choice was Chris Strebler, I'm terrified of this promotion for Zach, honestly. If I had to make a, a prediction in this game... I don't think you can make prop bets based on injuries. If there was a Zach Wilson over 0.5 snaps, I would hammer that over. I think we're going to see Zach against the Lions at some point. I think the Jets are absolutely terrified that their quarterback has fracked, if not broken ribs. We saw how much pain he was in against Buffalo. He couldn't breathe. Yeah,
1: that's interesting because I think... So you're saying you really think that this is happening because you believe that the coaching staff thinks that he's uh, going to get injured because I was reading this as the realization that Flacco is so bad that it can't get worse with Zach. Sure. Flacco did cost them points with the turnover thing. I think the idea is at least saying, like, Zach might have thrown an incomplete pass there or taken a hit. I mean, obviously, he's thrown picks all season, too, but, like, that's different. I I would—that was the way I was reading it. I mean— He took these monster hits, and you're probably right. It just. (laughs) The human body can only take so many blows like that in a row before you. Even if it's over the course of 14 days or whatever, you can only take so much abuse like that before you something is seriously wrong internally i mean he was hospitalized after the game so as a precautionary thing but still but i didn't that's interesting that you're reading it as really like they are keeping a not a short leash on him but right that's kind of what you're saying that they're just like they're ready to pull the trigger yeah if if it's even kind of in the cards but you mentioned mike's playing for his life i don't or playing for playing for his career here with the jets and like I don't know. I I admired the fact that he went back out there and did that, and he was making throws after those two hits. Like, that's pretty incredible, I think, for a guy who was, what, a fifth round draft pick? Yeah. Fifth round draft pick, and just, you know, never, we never really thought that he was going to be in this position late in the playoff push game in Buffalo. And this, you know, it's, uh, I, I really admired him, and I really admired what was going on, but I totally agree on the solid thing. I think he's a little. And we've seen this this season, right, just in general, like we've we've criticized this before with Zach, you know, where it was like the Patriots game. Why isn't he pulling the plug on this? He's a little skittish to make these in-game quarterback decisions that mm-hmm. are really important in a situation where the rest of the team is is this good. Yeah, we're not talking about like these terrible jets teams of the past where it's like well actually who cares who's playing quarterback like like we said before if the team was terrible zach would still be starting because who but what, what difference does it make so this is definitely saw. we're pro sala on here usually but he's really he's really right fumbling some of these uh in-game quarterback decisions specifically i think
0: you're absolutely right earlier in the season we saw bill belichick bench mac jones for bailey Zappi, only to put mac jones back in the game we saw he so he's flip flopping back and forth within the same game yeah and he's the greatest coach to ever live so like if you're solid like what's the big deal make the move when you're supposed to make the move have a feel for the game to know hey we're gonna lose this fucking game if if we can continue to play zach wilson like what happened in those patriots games they are like hey this guy's gonna die if we leave him out there he can't breathe we're losing this game anyway have a feel for it let Flacco come in and just suck it up for a quarter and a half and let's get out of Dodge.
1: You've had three different quarterbacks on this team at this point. So the idea of like trying to maintain kind of some kind of continuity is also that's already kind of out the window, right? There's already been, the position's already changed hands. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're in agreement on that. But I'm, I don't know. It's funny that you mentioned that coming out of this kind of, this being a a really bad loss for you. I feel like the Patriots' losses felt, felt worse to me than this because, They're not as good a team as the Jets, and they beat us twice, and it's the Patriots, and it was Zach's fault entirely. Those games from worse to me, like this game, you know, technically, quote-unquote, came down to like what could have been, I guess, like a comeback. Obviously, it was still far-fetched, and the whole conversation as to whether or not we should, you know, kick as opposed to scoring the touchdown there, to me it's always like, you know, you have to make the onside kick, so none of that really matters if you don't make the onside kick. But uh, that's a debate that our weekly segment of why are people talking about this.
0: Right, I think Romo's point on that was that the Jets have three timeouts left. So I agreed with what he said. I, if you get the touchdown, you don't need the onside kick because you actually have time to play defense, ball timeouts, and then when you get the ball, yes, there's only you know seconds left on the clock, but you'd only needed to get in a field goal range. You don't. You don't right. have to go from your twenty five. To, what, the opposing 40? I mean, Zerline is a huge leg. So, like, that was Romo's point, is that, like, if you get the touchdown now, it's not as hard to get a field goal with that amount of time. And he was right. I think they should have gone for it in the moment. I I kind of agreed with him, and I I think it was regrettable. Yeah. I think you go out swinging. I agree with Romo. I I think the the field goal was a little bit of a, a coward's choice there.
1: I agree. Yeah. And I think Romo was right when what he said. I just I wasn't factoring in the timeout thing. You're right. He was saying, I guess, quote unquote, best case scenario for the Jets is like you get that first down. You score right away, you hold them,
0: all that. It did, it did feel like... If you got 40 seconds and no timeouts, you want to be getting a touchdown or going for a field goal. You know what I mean?
1: Right. And you're already at... The, yeah, and you're in more an advantageous position to get a touchdown where you are on the field there than any other situation you're going to get in the future. So I just think when it's whenever it's a situation where there's... Like when you're down two scores that late in a game, the idea of being able to question it like, oh, well, you know, that, that happened and that's why we lost. It's like, well, you shouldn't be down two scores with, you know... Yeah with less than two minutes left in the game. Something else went wrong mm-hmm. uh, during the game to make that happen. But yes, he was right. I just think it's not the not the biggest concern coming out of this for sure.
0: No, certainly not. And before we get off the subject of quarterbacks in this game, you had mentioned this earlier. You reminded me like Joe Flacco shouldn't be on an NFL roster, including this one. Why is Chris Drevler not the third quarterback? I'm not saying we should start him. I'm not even saying he should be ahead of, Zach, although I wouldn't mind, but I'm not even advocating for that because that would seem kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm like, why is Joe Flacco on this roster? It's not like they don't have a body. Streveler's a body. He do some stuff. He's fun. I'm not saying he's going to succeed, but like, he, Look at Brock he's, Purdy. he can't be worse than Flacco. He can. Mr.
1: Irrelevant comes in and he beats Tom Brady's yeah. ass all over the field. We can't have Chris Streveler out there. Joe Flacco's a corpse. What is this? I... That was the way I remember. You could the bench. run like a
0: bullshit Wildcat offense with Strevler, where yeah. he's like basically running the Taysom Hill offense, and it's, yeah. like, oh shit, he's going to throw this time. You know what I mean? You could you can run, run a Taysom Hill s- offense with that guy.
1: You can run, yeah, you can run some smoke and mirrors bullshit with him for like long enough to yeah. <laughs> to maybe gain some yards or get some points out of it. Yeah. He yeah. Get some first downs, probably. I mean, Flacco just, like I said, like he can't do anything. It's not even a matter of, like, yeah, I, I don't know if the one stupid Cleveland win there bought him that. I mean, which ultimately you could kind of look at as mostly Cleveland's fault to begin with anyway. But like this, to me, I, I looked at the demotion for him as the coaches being like, okay, we've definitely seen enough of this now. Thanks for your like leadership or whatever. But like, maybe it's time to hang up the cleats and pick up a clipboard and a headset. And you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it might be over for the playing portion of your career, Joe.
0: Let's help Mike White work on his deep balls. <laughs> I want to take another quick break, and then I want to get into next week against Detroit because I'm actually pretty optimistic about that one. So coming back, obviously the Lions are getting a ton of praise for beating the Minnesota Vikings. In a game they were favored, which is wild, but again, Vegas knows all. You could have told me that the Vikings were like minus seven going into that game. I would have said, that sounds about right. Just a straight insult. I think at game time it was even higher, wasn't it? Didn't it go
1: yeah. up to, multiple, to, to more than one or something? I don't know. It, it's what what. Oh, was
0: was it two and a half by game time?
1: What an absolute insult to the Vikings! And apparently, like they are the statistically worst like ten win team at this point in the season, right. of all Time like the
0: DVOA nerds are like banging their heads against the wall that that team is ten and two. They're like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like the Giants early in the season. They're like, how are they doing this? Yeah, same, yeah.
1: And because and they, they've won a bunch of bullshit games, and then when they lose, they get killed. They get smoked. So it's like...
0: Yeah. All of that was to say that the Lions are obviously getting a ton of praise by beating a 10-2 football team. Here's the thing. Jared Goff <laughs> in New Jersey, in winter, real winter, not Los Angeles winter. Jared Goff in an outdoor non-Los Angeles game. Right. Against this Jets defense. I think we're taking it to the Lions. I don't think... Off as a prayer in this game and the Lions defense is really bad all the games they won they've won they've won in shootouts of course with their offense doing all of the heavy lifting for them I don't see the Lions being able to move the ball on us and I'm I'm sure I'll eat those words like I do every week but <laughs> I just I, I have a hard time seeing that the Lions are going to move the ball in the cold especially if Quinnen Williams plays they said that Quinnen today as we record on Wednesday has about a 50-50 shot to play this week if he does need to sit a game out, this is probably the game to sit out, to be fair. But I think that not only do the Jets win this game, pending Mike White's health, if Mike White stays on the field and plays the entire game, I don't see us losing this one. If we have to go to Zach in the second quarter, I think it gets a little sketchier. Um, but I'm pretty confident in a Jets W going into this game in a game that they have to win. And as we've seen in the NFL this year and you know, gambling the last couple of years, narratives matter. Right. Like those narratives always find a way to come into play. It's always the team that needs the game more that always seems to come out with it. And the Jets need this game desperately. This is a W, Kevin. I don't know what you think. <laughs> I appreciate
1: your confidence very much. And I, I, I don't share it to that degree. I mean, I think the, the the first thing that needs to be mentioned is that the idea that there is a very meaningful Jets Lions game happening in week 15 is, like, proof that we're living in, like, the simulation theory or some crazy thing. Like, the world has just gone totally off the rails that this is, like, Jets-Lions week 15 is, like... A, yeah. I mean, having Tony Romo calling a week 14 Jets-Bills game is, is already pretty crazy. Having the CBSA announcer team calling a Jets-Bills I game. I was
0: floored that we were listening to Nance <laughs> and Romo. I do not even it think they like, did one o'clock games. I think, like, I thought contractually they always did four o'clock. I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> I thought Ian Eagle was our ceiling cat
1: <laughs> Yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, uh yeah exactly and we we broke through but uh yeah so that that's the first thing i don't know the lion the lions are frisky i mean everyone's kind of mentioning that golf has actually quietly been pretty good i i can hear you with the dome thing with the weather and it is the lions and Goff, and there's just this part of you that just doesn't believe in any of it and and i understand that somehow they do seem like they're Cliched things, but it does seem like they're playing at another level at a certain point in the season, where they really, I think, should have won that Buffalo game on Thanksgiving. Like, there's certain things with the Lions where it, it's it, you, when you watch them, they actually do have playmakers, and they and they they are. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit scared of it just because I think they need this game just as bad as we do. Yeah. When you look at the playoff probabilities of which games they can kind of win or lose. Obviously, the biggest one for the Jets at this point, if you look at the probabilities, is the Finns in Week 18 because of the implications with the division and the wild card. But this one's also really big because the stupid Patriots had to win on Monday night, and the Chargers beat the Dolphins. So both of those things kind of slightly hurt the Jets here. And I think, like, I don't know, the Jets and Lions both kind of need this game in some ways, I think. Maybe maybe the Lions need it less, you could argue, but, like, still, this is a this is definitely teams fighting for their playoff lives and uh, two teams that are are exceeding expectations this season. And it's an interesting uh, meeting of these two. And I appreciate your enthusiasm. I think probably if you look at the X's and O's of it, the uh, matchup of the Jets D and the, and the offense for the lions should theoretically be enough, but um, you know, and also the Lions defense was so terrible at the beginning of the season that you'd hope that, that that there's some amount of aberration that's been going on in their in their kind of winning recent games. But I don't know. It's one of those things where you talk about narratives. I mean, narratives can work either way, right? I mean, I'm not even talking about injuries. If he has kind of an off game, then you're getting people coming in with this, well, actually, Zach Wilson was 5-2, and two, and now he's 1-3, and three, which you and I are both like, that's bullshit you weren't watching those games if you think that if you think that zach
0: was playing well in the five games he won you weren't watching um yeah if you're like a chris sims level truther on twitter where's zach's five <laughs> and two i don't understand yeah like tell me you don't watch the games yeah
1: this zach five and two thing is the is pulp fiction you know say it one more time motherfucker i am so sick of this zach was five and two i'm like there's no way anybody who says that was watching those seven games yeah. there's no way And I look and I don't hate Zach. I really hope that Zach has a promising NFL career. We're not just trying to shit on Zach. I'm just saying that he played really poorly. And even in those games that they won, they won in spite of him. And like, that's, you know, I don't know. But so I'm really, really, really sick of that narrative and they lost because of him. They lost because of him in both of those games and it's like Yeah. Yeah, and so and whereas Mike White, you know, you have this game he's out there, you know, with half of a rib cage left making throws like and it's like, "Well, he lost the game." Well, yeah, but <laughs> that's not that's not how things always work and and I think it's yeah, just proof that sometimes people want to trust stats more than actually watch football, I think, and understand it.
0: By the way, the last game That Jared Goff played in sub thirty degree weather. It was against the Mitch Trubisky Bears. It was those Rams teams against those Bears teams. Oh wow! The Bears won fifteen to six. Goff threw four picks.
1: (laughs) I like this. Where'd you you went to? Pro football focus, like as we're talking? Just...
0: I'm on the sporting news. I'm deep in the bowels <laughs> of the internet. I'm pretty sporting sure the site's Canadian. What I'm saying is, <laughs> I used
1: to have a sporting news subscription. I used to have that. Way back when that was a magazine. There
0: you go. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> That's right. So this is a very small sample size. I I think it's you could count them on less than one hand the amount of games that Jared Goff has had to play oh, like this. in sub no, thirty degree weather in his confident. career. I like this. But he's looked real, real bad. And Jared Goff's balls are always like weirdly wobbly, right? He's not like a big, like spiral guy. (laughs) So in the wind, I don't know. I just like, I think we have the secondary to just shut this team down. Like, yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown is like a cute little story. The kid's good. He's squishy. He's fast. Like, I like watching him. The Lions are a fun team. I don't think their record is an aberration, by the way. I'm not saying they're, I'm not even saying they're a fraud team. I'm just saying that like the Jets on paper are a nightmare matchup for them. And I'm, like, foolishly feeling pretty confident still.
1: And it's Jets by one, right, as of right now?
0: As of December 13th. So this was last updated yesterday. This was last updated on Tuesday. The Jets are favored by one point over the Lions. I'd lay that point. I'm fine with that. I'd go Jets on an alt line. I'd lay, like, two and a half, you know, so they only have to win by a field goal. Get yourself a little more juice. That'd be my Jets bet.
1: I have that parlayed with shots of Joe Flacco on the sideline. Uh, over
0: under? No, I'm kidding. Yeah, uh, that would be and Jared Goff <laughs> under for passing yards that would be my other one. There you go. Maybe parlay those two together. Get yourself a nice little, nice little plus six hundred. I like that. I'm making those odds up, but I, I, I think <laughs> if you're if you're talking two player props like that, I think you, you're probably in the, at least the five hundred range
1: this podcast was all a front elaborate front to uh launch our own sports books we're just uh, we don't really care about the jets we're just interested in setting lines that's really what this whole thing was about the whole time
0: kevin i would quit my day job tomorrow <laughs> professional gambler james holzauer style is my dream job
1: yeah just live in vegas
0: That's gonna do it for another edition of Just End the Show. Enjoy the Jets and the Lions next week. I can't wait to be wrong. <laughs> Kevin, just end the show. Just end-